0: This morning, uh, we will read Parsha Ditro, the story of... Well, let's put it this way. The Parsha's centerpiece, of course, is the Ten... Known as the Ten Commandments, but really we call them Aseret HaDibroh, the Ten Speech Acts, the Ten um, Soundbites. Aseret HaDibroh. The centerpiece, which will... We'll be standing for at the end of the reading, the fourth Aliyah this morning, the fourth or the added Aliyah of the three Aliyot that we'll be calling. The centerpiece, of course, is this unique moment of revelation at Mount Sinai. What came to be known as Ma'amar Sinai, the standing at Sinai, the Ma'amad, the standing at Sinai. It is such an essential and central part of the Jewish faith that there were fears that its centrality and its essential nature was so paramount and so pronounced that that the recitation at certain points in Jewish history of the Ten Commandments needed to be removed because lest we think that only the Ten Commandments are the core principles and nothing else, there were those who said only the Ten Commandments, Ten Utterances. Its centrality was so, it looms so large that there was that fear. The ten utterances, the ten sound bites, the ten speech moments, *Aseret were seen by people like Saadia Gaon, Saadia Gaon, the great, the great sage and um, and leader of people, who, who imagined that these ten moments, these ten teachings, had everything in them. You can find all of the 613-some-odd commandments within the 10. They were 10 that gave rise to 613 other commandments. They were so important, the 10 basics, the 10 axioms. So how shocking it must be for the rabbis to whom identity was important, Jewish identity, who is in and who is out, who is a Jew and who isn't a Jew, how shocking it must have been to them to note that the very parsha in which the centerpiece of Jewish life and Jewish existence is placed is named for a non-Jewish father-in-law of the Jewish people, of of the great teacher Moses. Yitro, Jethro, is not Jewish. Now the rabbis, of course, have an answer for that. He, He converted. Where does it say he converted in the text? Well, it's in there. If you look really carefully, it's in there. It's in there where it says, It's in there where God says, where, I'm sorry, Yitro says, Now I know that the Jewish God is greater than all the other gods. Right? So says the Midrash, he would know because he worshiped in all of those places. So he was essentially saying, I can testify that you have the best product your God is better than all the other gods i have tasted them all I should know I'm Anthony Bourdain of theology I've been to every place and trust me and so Jethro becomes of course for the rabbinic mind the great testifier bearing witness to the superiority of our system over all of the other systems but there is no such moment in the text in fact if anything the text can be read in completely the opposite direction You can read it as we can't receive the ten utterances unless we hear the Torah of those who are not Jews. You can read it as in order for us to be ready to receive our own truth, we have to be willing and ready and able, as I used the word last night, to make room for truth in all places. Hear the truth wherever it comes. Almost as if this beginning of the Parsha. Of course, is narratively read as a tie in to the need that all great teachers have to have a domestic balance. Right? Moses, who is separated from his wife and his two children, she brings Seporah brings the two sons, their family, they bring the family together. Before Moses can stand at Sinai, he has to be willing to remember that great leaders can stand at Sinai, but then they have to also sit with their family. Stand at Sinai, sit with your family. That's one beautiful read, right? But I think more radically, maybe less radically, but more closely. But Jethro is the great Mifargen, the great one who makes room for others. He rejoices in the story that his son-in-law will tell him, even though he had already heard what happens. We talked about this this morning in the open book. Like if you read the beginning of the Parsha, it says that Jethro, Yitro, heard what had happened and that's what brought him. shama He heard what happened and he comes. And then the story tells us that he goes to meet his son-in-law his son-in-law goes out to meet him in an act of great deference and reverence and kavod and honor for his father-in-law who is known as the high priest of Midian. And then he serves him. Jethro decides to listen to the story through Moses' eyes. He had already heard it. He's a great mentor, a great father in law, he's a great character. In fact, the rabbis go so far as to say that had it not that his name, Yitro, he has seven different names. One of them is Yetir, which means additional, extra. The rabbis go so far as to say that the reason his name is extra is because the Torah added an extra portion for his sake. Now think about that for a moment. We thought about that this morning. I just need to share it with you. That's a radical thing to say. Because the very Parsha, named for Jethro, extra man, has within it something that isn't extra at all, but something radically important to Jewish life, the Ten Commandments. Were the rabbis saying that had it not been for Jethro, there would not have been a Ten Utterances, a Ten Commandments? Maybe yes, maybe no, but it's powerful to think about it. So Jethro comes along, and as a great mentor for his son-in-law, models Vayichad Yitro, he's like happy for him, Maybe the whole Torah is modeling, making room for, making room for, that the entire Revelation Parsha is making room for, making room for making room for the other making room for that which comes from beyond making room for and so Jethro becomes, in a way I want to say this morning, and I think I've said it in the past but I want to say it again I might not have said it in the past, I never remember anything I say <laughs> so you'll, you'll remind me, but I want to say this morning that Jethro stands in for the, for the quintessential seeker. But not just the seeker who is always adrift. The seeker who is, has seeking as their calling card and identity. I must be a seeker. Right? Not that kind of seeker that is perpetually dissatisfied with what the Buddhists called dukkha. The great, right, the great constriction that says this is never good enough. That's not the seeker that I'm speaking to. I'm uh, speaking to the perpetual learner. Somebody once came to me and said, "You know, David, when you start a shul on the Upper West Side, here's be, be very careful," he said, "because there's there is a quality said of seeking that people lose when they arrive. There's a quality of closing, not being open to, of already knowing it already. I already know what it is." And so then religion becomes a way of confirming their life bias. And what would it be like to leave room to be moved? What would it be like to leave room to be persuaded? What would it be like to leave room to be converted? What would it be like to leave room to not know and to be invited? we enter into the Parsha that is the quintessential centerpiece of our tradition, the great revelation at Sinai where we heard what we should see and saw what we should hear, were things that, you know, that stood for us forever. As a part of who we were, we begin that Parsha with a reminder of someone who modeled to us what it was, as the rabbis say, to go into the desert, to leave his prestige and to find a new way. Rabbi Nathan Lopez Cardozo is a great rabbi that I spoke about in the the open book in Israel. He's an orthodox rabbi but he plays in the margins of that. He can do that because he's brilliant and he's a he's been around for a while and he's a philosopher and he says radical things and he wrote a piece this week called Would You Be Converted? And he said Jethro is right of course in the rabbinic mind the convert and we like to imagine that moment, right, as Jews, that you came over to our side, we won, it's great for us, woohoo! Triumphalism at its best. But can those who are already converted leave room to be converted? The twice converted? Or do we say, oh, I got it, I know, I've arrived? In that sense, there is an element in Jethro's introduction to the Ten Commandments of destabilizing the stable we think we're gonna get the ten rules now we know how to live but can we model Jethro who thought he knew how to live and then was willing to learn a new way too is that possible the rabbis I think want us to think that way they want there to be that element of seeking and finding in the Jethro story and so this morning's Aliyah the first Aliyah which for those who have never been here before is a group aliyah which means if you feel called by anything that I've said or if you just feel called to stand with Torah this morning that's also your prerogative the first aliyah is very simply an aliyah to be blessed if you have a, already learned much from other places other traditions other paths other wisdom and you want to lift that up this morning honoring our ancestor Jethro and also to be blessed if you particularly feel called and you need to model more of Jethro in your life, you feel yourself having slid back into a place of complacency, a place of, I already know I don't need much more, I'm done with my seeking, I've already found what I'm looking for no need to destabilize my life, I like it just as it is not interested in being persuaded to see things in another way or to be open to another way or to find another way, any of that if that speaks to you this morning, then Jethro is in the house and, uh, and he's standing here at Torah with us this morning as the great high priest of Bidyan who taught our teacher Moses the great mysteries of his tradition before imparting them to us. And he says, come forward for my Parsha this morning, the one that was added in my name. Come add your name to that as well. So please come forward for the first Aliyah. by Ishma, Yitro.